Welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. It has been far too long, but we've been away for the summer. We're happy to be back here in Denver on the eve of the Rugby World Cup Sevens. And filling in for my co-host, Uncle Johnny, this week is our own producer, Florida Man Dev. Hi, folks. And uh, one of our favorite guests, uh, Logan Collins himself. Collins here. But before we get into our lineup today, our fearless leader, John Warner, Uncle Johnny, as you know him, is already down in San Francisco, sunny San Francisco. So we're going to give him a call, hear the sights, sounds, and smells of what's going on over there. Mostly smells. Uncle Johnny here. Johnny, you're on with Rugby Pick'em. Hey, my nephew. What's up? What's going on? Talk to us. What are you hearing out there? I'll tell you, I'm hearing the, the I'm hearing the sounds of the street. I'm looking at the, the grittiness of San Francisco. Life is good out here. Would you say that there's a rugby smell in the streets? Oh, there's a, there's a whole lot of humanity on the street. We're sitting here in Union Square, the heart of uh, San Fran, right near the Tenderloin District. I'm about to do my favorite thing to do when I get into town in San Francisco and go slam some sushi. Uh, hell yeah, life is good. It's perfect weather. It's going to be low 70s for a high. So bring your running tight. What fan base is showing out right now on the streets? Well, I'm telling you, the uh, tomorrow is Mandela Day after Nelson Mandela. I've got my mm. South African rugby shirt on, traveling in style from uh, the airport today. Ran into one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life getting coffee at the San Francisco airport. Uh, this ginger beauty bought her a coffee, and next thing you know, she's saying, hey, I'm from South Africa. South Africa. you're in Cape Town, give me a call. Uh, I'll buy you a coffee. And next, next thing you know, I'm basically in love. So uh, I got that going on for me. Oh, man. Sounds like your life's a change, huh? Well, you know, taking one step at a time. But Mandela Day tomorrow, uh, the Safas, I'd say the Safas are getting excited. And they'd typically be a favorite here, but I don't know if you saw their lineup. They're missing a lot of guys that uh, either injury or uh, super rugby. But uh, I did catch an interview that Pocky had with Brian Habana uh, earlier today. I think he's got him down in Southern California doing some of this youth rugby stuff. But, you know, the Safas get excited for this tour. Well, Johnny, we're going to have boots on the ground. Florida man, Dev, our producer, and I are headed out tomorrow, meeting up with you in San Francisco. We're going to have, hopefully, new material dropped all weekend on Rugby Pick'em. What's the one thing you're most excited for right now? I got gifts for the two of you, so I'm kind of <laughs> excited about that. Um, it's a surprise, but it, it's going to go with uh, whatever outfits we cook up. I think fancy dress in the spirit of seven rugby always always makes me smile. All right. Well, we can't wait to link up with you. Uh, we'll be doing more boots on the ground segments in the next few days. Until then, sir, keep your head down, but uh, get out there and show them what you're about. Arigato. All right, we'll see it. Uh, well, there's a very few amount of people who get to call into our show, and uh, Uncle Johnny is one of those people. But we like having the mic live in studio so we can uh, not really have that boring conference call effect like some other podcasts have. We're all about the live, the here and now. 
Um, but gentlemen, let's get into it. We have so much to talk about since we last recorded two weeks ago. The MLR has a champion, the Seattle Seawolves beat Glendale down in Torero. The first really war of attrition defensive game we saw all season. Not all season, but the majority of the games were high scoring and stuff. What did you make of the final? Yeah, I thought Seattle did what you would have expected them to do. Um, they played big. They had some very solid possession in the scrums. I think that was probably the best scrummaging performance I've seen all season from a team. Um, and Glendale's got a good scrum themselves. But I think Seattle played some relatively mistake-free ball the last 20 minutes, whereas Glendale just wasn't able to do that. A couple knock-ons, just a few maybe mental errors for some, from some players that aren't really typical to do that. So, um you know, when you're playing in a championship game, you don't really get a whole lot of second chances. Yeah, I agree. I, I think those were clearly the best two teams in the league this year, hands down. So I was I was happy to see the best two duel it out. But I'm guessing if they play 10 games, it's going to be 6-4 either way. Um, they're very evenly matched. Yeah, I think if, if you were going to ask most people early on in the season who the two teams were going to be in the final – yeah, I'm sure if you get the stats on that, overwhelmingly probably would have been Glendale and Seattle. Once so, everybody got over the fact that Houston played a big preseason, that was like all the talking heads were going off of, and they ended bottom of the table. That's true, and Seattle actually didn't have the most impressive preseason no. either. I don't think they had a whole lot of games. They kind of had this issue with their coach coming through as well. Um, but I think anybody who's just familiar with the landscape of rugby around America, that they, they would know that Seattle's going to come out with a good brand. Yeah, and I mean, it brings us into next year. Well, first, let's look back at that semifinal. You guys were in Glendale to watch it. What was an exciting doubleheader. Did they make you pay uh, for two tickets? Because I wouldn't be surprised. It Glendale. was one ticket. One ticket? But one it ticket. was more expensive. Ah, that's where they get you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where they, hey, if you're going to get three hours of rugby, <laughs> you're going to pay a little extra. Devin, did uh, this semifinal weekend have as good of a crowd as they expected what was the crowd like i think so um you know it was a few weeks ago but from what i remember yeah those stands were pretty packed and you know having the fan base for four teams rather than two there i think that certainly helped out yeah exciting i i like the short playoffs to be honest um if there there are expansion talks which we will now get to because it is the off season in 2019, we have three confirmed teams. The LA Coast is going to join based out of LA, stadium to be determined. Rooney, Rugby United New York, is going to be our first truly East Coast-based team. Um, they will most likely play out of Gaelic Park in the Bronx. And lastly, the Ontario Arrows were just confirmed. Um, they're going to have a bid in the 2019 season. Now, other teams that have been linked to potential 2020 bids. One that's been confirmed is DC MLR. Uh, my little brother plays for the Washington Irish. He knows Dunleavy, the guy putting the money behind that. He says that there are big things to come from DC MLR. Uh, so we'll wait on them in 2020. We have the Boston Mystics who have been in play under the fearless leadership of uh, old Buzzy uh, out of the uh, Mystic River camp. Uh, he's been trying to make that team happen and get a bid. Vancouver, Chicago, there's been other cities linked. The only thing we know for sure, three new teams in next year, bringing the total to 10 teams. Logan, what do managers and owners have to do in the offseason to get better? Well, I'll start with these new teams that are coming in. I mean, so just domestic teams, two confirmed, Los Angeles and New York, 
you know, obviously Ontario seems to be on board as well, but just focusing on the American teams, um, it's actually a bit of a challenge. You know, we have a limited amount of teams in this MLR, MLR comp right now, but if you start thinking just even three new domestic teams, you roughly need about 30 solid players at least to kind of support that squad uh, from week in, week out. There's going to be injuries, just some players that fall off throughout the season. You're going to need at least 30 high-level players to support your squad at any given time. But that being the case, I mean, you talk about just three domestic teams, that's an extra you know, 90 players just in the country that need to be performing at their top level. So I think a big concern or a big factor that needs to come into play for all these new teams that are coming in is exactly where they're going to source this talent. And just for a concern for the league overall, are we diluting the pool too much? Um, or do we have enough player talent to really source all these teams and keep the standard of play exactly where we want it to be? My guess is it's new college athletes, new or up-and-coming club players, and then overseas signings. That's pretty much it. There's no other well to draw from. And I imagine overseas signings are where you have the most work, right? You have passports and visas and travel costs and convincing players that this league is for real. Like move to LA, your contract is not just going to be a one-year thing. That's going to be the challenge they have. I I do think we've seen in years past that um, whether it was the pro league or just year one of MLR, it's not necessarily the team that has all the biggest names that's going to get it done. So I do think there is some room for a team that is that has sourced a lot of its talent from some high-level club players to actually perform and perform pretty well. Um, Utah had a couple big names, but as far as big international names from overseas, not a whole lot. Um, did they perform well? For sure. At times, from week to week, they seem to be the most physical and sometimes the most dangerous team in the comp. Uh, but maybe just didn't offer the consistency they were going to need to get through the championship. Devin, let's say you're Dan Carter, ending your career in France. Two managers come to you, all money's equal. Do you sign with the LA Coast or Rugby United New York? LA Coast. All money's equal. I was saying, you know, if if money wasn't a thing, where would you rather play rugby? Uh, LA. Yeah. Yeah? Is that just a simple answer? That's a simple answer. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't think it's uh I don't think that market's big enough for a name like Dan Carter. I think you need the big city market. Yeah. You I want mean, to be the Tom Brady of, of rugby is what you want. Look, I know for a fact that Rooney and, and by that I mean Rugby United New York, they sent a lot of players into the league this year to fill out Austin. I mean, they sent their guy Fawcett to play with Glendale. Like their owner was on an interview early in the year saying, Bring on the MLL All Stars. Like they think they're good, they're backing themselves. I would say that next year, I would put him in a favorite to be in that semifinal weekend for sure. Thanks. New York is a huge, huge talent pool, and I think it'd be very easy to get big signings to come over and live there. Just just my predictions and thoughts. But congrats to the Seawolves. There was some foul play in the final um, that was written about by pundits. You guys all saw it. I mean, there was a clear drop knee that put Chad London out of the game. Do you think that refs should retroactively go back and use video after the fact to suspend players? That's tough. It really, I, I'm trying to provide a solution <laughs> where you can discipline a guy after the fact if, if he's caught dead to rights, but it's always an interpretation. So for yeah. me, that would be that would be too much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I was having a parallel conversation about soccer the other day with uh, somebody I work with, and going back and reviewing the flops afterwards and award or reward bands for that and i think it's kind of somewhat similar 
Um, but how far past the event is too far? Yeah. I don't know. I think there's I think there's precedent for this. So I think the answer is yes. If there is legitimate foul play and it can be spotted after the fact. Like a rake to the head or something. Something that's considered extremely dangerous. We're not talking about going to reviewing you know, an offsides penalty or something like that. Some, something that has a bit more substance that is malicious. You know, um, yeah, I think there's been precedent sent for that. I think that it should be done. Uh, not necessarily in this circumstance, if I'm being honest, even from reviewing the film, I can't clearly see the intent. Um, I haven't reviewed it all too thoroughly, to be honest, but uh, I think it's a, it's a tough one. If you are going to go back and offer some sort of penalty or fine or whatever it might be, um, it's something that has to be very clear. It can't be a judgment call that could potentially impact somebody's ability to, to play, whether it's you know in the following weeks or start of MLR 2019, whatever it might be. Yeah, well, MLR management's got to figure something out because with more teams comes more games, um, and they're going to have to have a more transparent disciplinary system than they had this year because I'll never stop harping on it. Ben Landry should not have sat out three games this year for his soft tip tackle. I'm well, sorry. Didn't they, didn't they review it right afterwards? I don't know. Anyways. Anyhow, congrats to the Seawolves. We are on to Super Rugby where the playoffs have just been set. Harpo texted in his lines. He's still floating up in Montana. That's all he does in the summer. I just float. But he texts me in his lines. Now, quick side note on Super Rugby. They shook up the league. New Zealand, the powers that be in Sanzar, put pressure on the league to reduce back down to 15 teams. They felt that they were getting an unfair draw in the playoffs. And to be quite honest, the standard had dropped. Last year, it just got ugly. So they reduced it down to 15 teams with three league champions, one in South Africa, one in New Zealand, one in Australia, and five wildcard spots. Well, sure enough, New Zealand sent three of those five wild cards in. So for next week, we have the number one seed Crusaders hosting the Sharks. Harpo's got them at a 19-point favorite. Hell, I'd put that to 27. The Crusaders are romping teams. They have the best back line in the league. Richie Mwanga is feeling himself right now. They're the reigning champs, and they only have two losses this year. So expect them to go far. Take the Crusaders and the points. The Lions are hosting the Jaguares. A second-year team in the playoffs. Hats off. Very good. Hey, now, Argies. We see you. We see you coming. Um, Harpo's got the Lions as an eight-point favorite. They're probably going to be playing at altitude. This will be a tough game for the Jaguars to win. I'll be pulling for them, but I'm thinking that the Lions will win and cover those eight points at home. The third game has the Waratahs getting a home game, even though their record is not as good as some of these New Zealand teams because they are the first place team in Australia. They are going to host the Highlanders. And Harpo has the Highlanders as a two-point favorite. On the road, I'm going with the New Zealand talent. I've seen nothing out of Australia. Sure, Foley and Falau are studs. But if we're being honest with ourselves, top to bottom, the Highlanders team has so many All Blacks on it. I'm going with them on the road to win this quarter. And lastly, the Hurricanes host the Chiefs. That's just a good old-fashioned Northern Ireland clash. Uh, the Hurricanes are four-point favorites in Harpo's eyes. Now, is it Hurricanes or Hurricanes? I I, I, do I say it like a Kiwi? I say Hurricanes, no. but when I say hear the announcer say it, he says Hurricanes. Like He just cuts it off at the end. Oh, okay. nah? Producer Dev saying no. Devin, who you got in this game? Hurricanes or the Chiefs? I don't know, man. I just work here. All right. Let's go with the Chiefs. Damian McKenzie and the boys on the road are going to get a W. The Chiefs are in form. 
Again, your winners for this week in Super Rugby, Crusaders at home, Lions at home, Highlanders on the road, and the Chiefs. I'm going three out of four New Zealand teams get on to the semis because, quite frankly, New Zealand is the only thing keeping Super Rugby alive. Gentlemen, on to the weekend. This is probably the biggest weekend in Rugby Pickham's short history. We are going out to San Francisco and getting amongst it with the fans. Let's start with our Eagles lineup, which was just announced. Not a whole lot of surprises. The core of the group is here, uh, but top to bottom, we have Perry Baker, Danny Barrett, Madison Hughes will captain the side, Martin Iosefo, Carlin Isles, Matai Ueta, Falao Nua, Ben Pinkelman, Brett Thompson, Stephen Thomasine, Maka Anufe, and Kayvon Williams. There are a couple reserves in there. Um, I believe it was Pat Belair and Chris Matina were named as reserves, but those are our 12. Logan, what do you think? Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises. I think these are a lot of familiar faces that have been kind of the, the pillars of the squad throughout the, the competitive season with the, the World Rugby Circuit, the World 7 Circuit, that is. So it's good. I think this is exactly the type of personnel we want, just a good balance of speed and kind of you know a couple of players who can really create on the run there. Um, looking forward to seeing Perry Baker go big on the big stage again. But, you know, of course, this is knockout rugby. This is um, just single elimination. Is that right, Brendan? That's it. We have uh, eight teams waiting in the next round uh, and then 16 more teams playing into that round. The U.S. will play the winner of Wales and Zimbabwe. But, Devin, it's going to be exciting. I mean, we're going to be sitting there watching one-off single elimination matches as they happen. Friday night in the old Pac Bell, baby, where Barry Bonds used to juice it up and send him into McCovey <laughs> Cove. We're going to be out there amongst it watching rugby. I'm excited because, like you said, it sevens is such a crazy game. Yeah, and fuck up so easy. No, I'll say it again. I don't like this single single elimination format. Um, not because I think it exposes the U.S. at all to any sort of problems, but every team can have a bad game. Um, you know, Fiji, South Africa, they can have a bad game, a bad half, and they might lose to a team that's just traditionally a lesser team when really they would have just blanked teams for the rest of the tournament. The idea that a powerhouse can have a bad half and go out and really be done. Just not necessarily a big fan of that. I do think that pool games, advancing into quarters, then semis and finals is a good way to do it. But I do understand they got a lot of rugby they got to sneak in on a weekend, and it's it's high the, stakes. The women's too. Yeah, and absolutely. A lot of time. Our women's and our men's should be expected to win. That's the only way we do it in America. Go big or go home, especially when we host. I'm excited. Dev, should we uh, should we tease our potential rugby pick and bio this weekend? Let's just say it's an ex-Barbo who's on the roster, people. That's right. Rugby Pick'em. Get subscribed. Stay tuned. We're going to be dropping things all week. We're going to just get amongst the fans. I mean, you get a couple into Uncle Johnny oh. and hand him a mic. Well, He'll run the best guerrilla journalism interview you've heard. Johnny in the Windy City? Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, Rugby Pick'em fans, on behalf of my co-hosts, Florida Man Dev, and Logan Collins. I'm BT. We'll see you out in San Francisco. If you see the guys with the red mic, come by, say hi, drop a line, pick them!
co-host, I'll have to intro you too and put it back in the beginning. Sure. Welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. Cause like you said it, you said it, you said it. Until then, sir.
Welcome back, rugby pick'em fans. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Collins in the intro. Yeah. 